What I'm about to say, you would have called me crazy 24 hours ago. You're going to say, what is Joe smoking over there? And a strain called Bruce Banner would be the answer to that question. But that's beside the point. Scott McTominay comes on, gets a double. I think he could have a bit of a revival at Manchester United if his role changed so that he was a centre-forward. He's got the build for it. Ten Hag has played with strikers like that before. He used to be a striker at the academy. He, he strikes the ball so cleanly. He can use his body well. And, and on top of that, unfortunately for McTominay, he's not good enough to play in the midfield. His passing isn't as good as the players that are in there. He's got the engine, sort of, but he could use that in a forward position, pressing from the front. I think it would be an interesting thing for for McTominay and, and Ten Hag to try out because he's got those instincts, I think, from when he played as a striker in the academy. And I think it would be an unbelievable little revival for Scott McTominay, who's been at the club for so long and was practically up for sale uh, this summer. A move on deadline day failed to materialise to Fulham, which was a big reason for Paulinho not going to Bayern Munich. So Man United got the win, uh, thanks to McTominay and his, his, his header in the box. But I do think it papers over the cracks a little bit, just to give an overall summary on Manchester United. I think whilst it does paper over the cracks, as I say, they can still use it and they can still hopefully use it as that springboard because they need one. There's a lot of players in that squad that weren't really looking too confident, but sometimes a moment like that can kickstart your season. I think the Newcastle game for Liverpool with Diaz, uh, sorry, uh, Nunez coming off the bench and scoring twice, those kind of games when you've really got to just get something from it and you do, it doesn't matter how you do it, by the way, whether it's by playing well or or, or or through luck, in the case of United this time, they were really poor, again, against Brentford. That's why I say it, because you've got to use that now. You've got to use that momentum and, and keep going. Also this weekend, Tottenham won. They played the majority of the game with 10 men. So, And they still kept the ball. You know, 60% possession with 10 men for, for the majority of the game. Um, for 50 minutes, I think it was. And you've, you've got to give credit to Ange Postacoglu because it's, I've seen him do this a couple of times now this season, maybe even a few times against Man United um, where they had the lead. They're, they're able to kill games, Tottenham. And I think that's something that they really struggled with for the past few years, to be honest. And you see this game as well, Ange and the substitutions he makes. Eyebrows are raised because oh, he's bringing off Madison, he's bringing off Son. He's done it in a few games and it's worked. You know, uh, Bournemouth away, they had to just see out that game and kill the game. And I, I say kill the game because he's obviously happy with 2-0. You can see with the subs he's making, he's not trying to get 3-4-5. And I think to an extent in the Arsenal game, when they were, when it was at 2-2, he wasn't going to push for, for a winner too hard. He took off, again, Son and Madison. Different circumstance there. Madison got a bit of a knock to his knee, didn't he, in that game? But yeah, I've really been impressed with um, Angie's in-game management and his tactical tweaks and his his reactivity. You know, during a game, I think he's a very very smart coach. He's been around. You think got to think about it in terms of experience. He's been around so many different leagues and competitions, and you know, he's even managed at youth level in Japan in, in, for Celtic, of course. And I think he's showing that that experience, of course, it can can be of value in the Premier League. Why not? His Tottenham team are playing very well, but now more importantly for Tottenham and Tottenham fans, they're getting wins where I don't believe they would have won that game in the past if it was you know different manager, different approach. And I think there's a few games like that this season where they might have crumbled or they might not have been able to see out the game. And just in case you missed it, Wayne Rooney has left DC United. Um, he hasn't been sacked, but they didn't make the playoffs. Um, so you can imagine him getting linked with so many jobs in the EFL. 
I'm looking at the bottom of the championship. Watford just agreed a new deal with their manager. Huddersfield um, only recently changed managers. Plymouth, you can't imagine him there. But then there is QPR. Sheffield Wednesday, of course, rock bottom, but they have actually replaced the manager um, in the last 24 hours as I record this. So QPR, Gareth Ainsworth, they've just lost 4-0 at home yesterday. Um, QPR, as I record this on the Sunday. I don't think... Gareth Ainsworth will be in the job, and I don't, you know, I don't wish to sack on anyone, but he, the fans aren't happy. And Rooney at QPR, the sort of raw talent that has been at QPR in the past, and the fans at that club, and 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 what that club means, that could be a pretty interesting combination. I think Wayne Rooney at QPR, they they need somebody, don't they? Need, they need some sort of change. I think um, they might sleepwalk into a relegation battle because you think as well the the other clubs around them, they're going to sort of start picking up points pretty soon. You would think Middlesbrough already out uh, out of that mess that they started the season in. And speaking of Middlesbrough, they beat rivals Sunderland four nil away from home. What a performance! Did cover that one on the podcast as well. Four second-half goals for Michael Carrick's team after Dan Neal was sent off in the first half, right on half-time. So that really did change the game with four second-half goals for Middlesbrough. And uh, as I say, Michael Carrick now, what bad start, you know. They they have long forgotten um, that, that start that they had up to 16th, four wins in the last five games. That'll do for Michael Carrick. And wins for both Leicester and Ipswich. Four goals for Ipswich at home to Preston. And um, you could maybe say that those are the two that are going to be fighting for the title. I think Leicester, the way they're playing, they're going to pull away even from Ipswich. Nobody expects Ipswich to maintain this, even game to game. But they just keep outperforming our expectations. Or maybe these should be... The new expectations. Maybe they have set a new reality here where they are going to go toe-to-toe with Leicester. Um, I don't see it. I think they will run out of steam a little bit and fully expected. And by the way, okay, you've just come up to the championship. What a job McKenna is doing there. Preston's still third after that game and it does create an eight-point gap between Preston in third and Ipswich in second. And then Leicester, top of the pile. They've lost just once. They've scored 23 goals, 30 points. Back to the Premier League for a moment, and the weekend's results had me thinking about the sack season that is is soon upon us, you would think. Which team is going to blink first in the Premier League? Who do you think will sack the manager? Luton, I was impressed, I've got to say, in moments against Tottenham. They they know how to make a nuisance of themselves, but I think it's every credit to Tottenham for dealing with that, especially with 10 men. They missed a a golden opportunity, Luton, in the first half to make it 1-0. Vincent Company will he last the season? They're just not scoring enough goals, are they? I think if Burnley sack Company, who do you get in that can also play that style of football? Because if you sack Company and you're replacing with somebody who you simply expect will keep you in the league, but is going to compromise some of those principles, you're doing more than sacking Company if you let him go. If you get what I mean there, you're sort of changing the philosophy of the club again. I think it's important that they stick with Company who, whilst he has experience in the league, I think he's got experience at the wrong end of the league, if you know what I mean. That squad, when you look at it, the Burnley squad, they're all a certain type of player. I think they need a bit more grit in there, need a bit more Premier League experience, but experience that has actually been in a relegation battle before. 
there was such an overhaul when Vincent Company went in, and it's it's remarkable what he has done and how he's changed the culture of the team on the pitch. But ironically, they just need a little bit more of that Premier League experience in there now. And somebody that can put the ball in the back of the net consistently. Again, Premier League goal scorers, they are very, very hard to find. Just look around the bottom of the table. So many clubs that I think would be instantly heightened by somebody that can guarantee you 15 to 20 goals every single season. I don't think Bournemouth will sack their manager just yet because if you look at the fixtures that they've actually played so far... Before the defeat to Fulham, which was away from home, they had not played anybody who you would expect to be in the bottom half come the end of the season. Their their opening sort of seven fixtures were incredibly tough. Um, and of course, it's random. So that is luck. I mean, it's an unlucky set of fixtures. And I think he will get a little bit more time. Sheffield United, not so sure about Heckenbottom. I think he will get another month at most I know it's harsh I know he's done brilliantly to get them into the Premier League and they've not had the money but at the end of the day it's up to the club what do they want to do do they want to try and survive in the Premier League and then reap the rewards and get a manager in that can potentially take you to the next level you only have to look at Brighton and 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 see and Brentford as well what surviving can do and how you can then start to plan properly if Sheffield United go back down, there is no guarantee, and, and nobody knows this better than Sheffield United in the last sort of 10 years, there is no guarantee when you will be back. And a final word on the Premier League then as we head into the international break. Tottenham and Arsenal still unbeaten. Manchester City, of course, now two defeats in a row after the loss to Arsenal. It was a very tight game, that wasn't it? I think it could have been very different if Kovacic had been sent off in the first half, as many think he should have been. What is quite interesting at the moment, if you look at the expected points table on odd alerts, so you can go to the XG page to view that, um, it actually puts Man City top, Newcastle second and Chelsea third. So Arsenal complete that top four. Tottenham, incidentally, fifth in the expected points table. Um, So they are overperforming in, in, in many aspects, to be fair. Finally, a look around the leagues, the Bundesliga after seven games, Leverkusen, top of the pile, Stuttgart second as well. What a story that is for them at the moment. Hopefully they, they can maintain it, but they've won the last five games played. Um, Dortmund fourth and Bayern third, both on 17 points. The top four in the Bundesliga, three of them are unbeaten so far. Stuttgart, the only team actually being defeated so far. Dortmund scoring for fun. They won 4-2 at the weekend. And in Liga 1, Monaco have continued uh, their decent start to the season. They are top. Nice, second. PSG now third after a victory. They were fifth in the week. They uh, they, they won their game at the weekend. Um, and uh, yeah, Monaco, I think, are going to be the ones to challenge PSG. There's no doubt PSG are going to go on a run and um, try and you know get the title wrapped up by sort of February, March time and hope that they are still in the Champions League, in the latter stages of the Champions League. They're in a very difficult group, and I I believe that Newcastle will get out of that group just because of the home advantage that they have. I think they're going to get at least six points out of the nine at St. James's Park. So, yeah, for PSG, for Dortmund, for AC Milan, I think it's going to be how they perform against each other. And PSG, they'll they'll back themselves, won't they, against those teams. Will Stills, Reims team, has uh, lost three of their opening eight games, but they are fifth in Liga 1, so he'll be happy with that. In Serie A, you probably saw the clips. Olivier Giroud went in net for AC Milan as they saw out a 1-0 victory. He actually made a, 
a pretty brave save towards the end of the game. In fact, you know, towards the sort of last 30 seconds of the game. Um, so the two Milan teams occupy the top two spots in Serie A. AC Milan, though, they've won seven out of eight, whereas Inter Milan have drawn one and lost one. So it's um, an interesting title race. Juventus and Fiorentina not too far behind. Napoli certainly not captured the form of last year, but I don't think anyone expected them to just because of how much of a high it was last year. And um, there's always going to be a bit of a come down and uh, add on to that the fact that they've sold some of those key players and uh, the, the sort of drama around Ossiemen at the minute. And I don't understand what the hell the club was doing with those Instagram posts. I mean, it's just incredible why they would do that, why they would allow it, why they sort of haven't just come out and publicly said this person is sacked. It, it just it's baffling, to be honest. And finally, in La Liga, Barcelona could only manage a draw away at Granada. Atletico Madrid beat Real Sociedad at home. And Real Madrid, thanks to two goals this time from Jude Bellingham, um, won 4-0 at home. I mean, yeah, Bellingham, there's not much else you can say other than he's going to be one of the best midfielders in the world. I think he should be just in that category already. What are we waiting for? He might be, what is he, 19, 20 years old, but he's he's incredible. 10 goals in 10 games now for, for Jude Bellingham at Real Madrid. So that was the podcast. And uh, if you listen to the previous episode, the BTTS double actually landed, um, which was Plymouth BTTS and uh, Manchester United BTTS. Man United, it took him a while. Um, they missed a few chances before for that but Scott McTominay with the double and um, ultimately making sure the double landed so yeah I'll do another one um, in Friday's episode not too sure what I'll cover at the moment but it is international break isn't it I'm not I just don't get excited by international football at the moment I see it as a time to get my head down and work on features for odd alerts if I'm honest because there's um you know, there's no Premier League, there's no European football, so it's a good chance to just do that. If you've enjoyed the podcast, um, please leave a review on Apple or Spotify or Podbean or wherever you're listening to the podcast. I think it will help more people discover um, the the podcast. So yeah, if you enjoyed it, I hope you do that and uh, see you on the next one.